Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome to the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler, talking money and investing along with Mr. Ira Work and Evan Barner joining me today, right here. No, Ira, you're not going to get a golden microphone. I should have one. I know you think you should have one. <laughs> well, my wife says I'm a legend. <laughs> In your own mind, right? That's exactly what she <laughs> exactly. says. Exactly. I know how that works. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Fellers, I'm sure we have some things to talk about today. Um, all kinds of things to talk about today. I'm sure you guys have some topics. So I, you know, I think um, the only one thing that hit me this week was the ESG. Latest dirty word in corporate America. Oh gosh, is ESG. Uh, many companies no longer utter these three letters. Well, I think that's right ahead of DEI. Yeah. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, well, ESG is right along those same lines. Following years of simmering investor backlash, political pressure, and legal threats over environmental, social, and governance efforts, a number of business leaders are now making a conscious effort to avoid the once widely used acronym. I mean, it's become a very, very big political football, number one. Uh, there has been, of course, lots of talk about how it just hasn't kind of panned out as an investment strategy. Yeah, go figure. Why do you think? <laughs> well, and you know, I mean, it's just like any of these. Um, you know, I you always bring up the the Tron stocks back in the '60s or '50s, and just some yeah. flavor uh -huh. of the uh -huh. day, or the uh -huh. dot com in the '90s. You know, pets dot com, whatever. And you know, just because something is popular, mm -hmm. or just because it has any kind of even political or cultural legs, doesn't mean there's any academic science at all behind that being an asset class right and it, and so many things are called an asset class yeah these yeah. days and it, it drives me crazy it was like that thing we did uh last week or we talking about that one investing at various ages yes yeah and then of course they had asset classes and and, and it was just it still cracks me up the rate of return on the commodities yeah portfolios the rate of and that was the better of the two right uh, <laughs> it was still like two percent return yeah, futures and 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 the futures the futures was the two percent yeah. that's right yeah. that's right Evan that's that's right it was the, the futures was two percent the commodities was zero point you know something percent something. Yeah. Uh, per year and yet they still have the audacity to call that an asset class uh, from an investing yeah. standpoint but ESG was this you know I I want to do good with my money just for those of you who don't know. Uh, when I invest, I am investing in a company and I'm letting you, them use my money. And when I'm looking at ESG, environmental, social, and governance, I'm thinking that I'm going to do good with my money. But the reality of it is your money is not going to that company. Your money is going to somebody else that bought that company before you. Right. And they want to get paid as much as they possibly can. 
And there was a lot of push. There has been a lot of push to have uh, these companies try to be more responsible, quote unquote, uh, in environmental ways. And it says that, um, you know, for some companies, the, the shift was it was and, and we basically hear our stance on this show has been no. Right. You know, because you're actually causing yourself to break a rule of investing by doing this, which is diversify, you know, or by not diversifying. Yeah. Yeah. You're breaking that rule of right. diversifying yeah. and you're not diversifying. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um but it says on earnings calls, many chief executives now employ new approaches. Some companies, including Coca-Cola, are rebranding corporate reports and committees, stripping ESG from titles. Uh, advisors are coaching executives on alternative ways to, to, to describe their efforts, proposing new terms like responsible business. Wall Street, uh, meanwhile, some firms are closing once popular ESG funds as the interest fades. Isn't it interesting how things change? Oh, yeah. As much as we had to fight against this and rail against this, and it was just one of those things we, and we just seemed like we were out of touch. Right. In so many different ways. Or we hate the environment or something like that. Yeah. Right. And it was one of the things I pointed out over and over on this show. And I guess, you know, every once in a while, you just got to, you got to make the point. Uh, you know, I, I told you, I told so. you so. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was trying, I was trying so hard not you know, to say that, you know, and we, you know, you, you look at it and, you know, we're kind of discussing that it's just out of favor, mm -hmm. you know, from the, the cultural conversation. And now the companies are trying to sanitize the terms, mm -hmm. but they would only be doing that if they weren't making 30% a year because they had been environmentally conscious. I mean, if they were shooting the lights out, mm -hmm. they'd still be tooting that horn, even if people weren't so caring. But, you know, clearly it, what, what is it, you know, we talk about that's, it's as dangerous as anything is the things, you know, that just ain't so. Right, 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 <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is one of those things that was just, you know, it sounded good. It sounded good. Right. And it's like so many things in, in investing, you know, you have certain things that sound really good and they, we get pulled in on them. You know, I, yeah. and just to walk back a couple of years, you know, there were periods of time when energy stocks were mm -hmm. in the news everywhere and it made perfect sense that you ought to be interested in it until it until was, it didn't. It, until it didn't. Until <laughs> it, well, until it proved that it didn't. Yeah. Okay. Because it proved itself. You know, that's why I wonder why all these people follow actors who advertise for certain products. Mm -hmm. I mean, I certainly couldn't be hired to act. You wouldn't be talking about like gold or anything. <laughs> I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, you know, I could not be hired to act because that's not my area of expertise. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, but people believe actors yeah. that this is what why you should be that? doing with your money. <laughs> why? Because Why is that? Social proof. Well, they're very, because they tend to be successful and they're they're constantly in your in your face. They act like they know what they're talking about. <laughs> right. But well, you know, I mean, in reality, yeah, in a, in a way, it's, they seem believable. It's almost like familiarity bias. Uh -huh. You know, really, it's like, well, I you know, I know who George Clooney is. I know who Taylor Swift is. Morgan they must Freeman. know what they're talking about. I think it's just like even knowing a company as a stock. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you talk about that, Evan, and I think that it's that trust. Yeah. I, I know people and I've heard them and I think I know them mm-hmm. because I've seen them so much. Yeah. And then they wouldn't mislead me because I know them. They wouldn't do that. And you might be right. They might not knowingly do it. Well, you you know, if you follow, if you follow certain shows, like, for example, Blue Bloods, um, Tom Selleck has been on and on for 20 years or so. So you see him every week. Right. And he's very believable as the police commissioner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So therefore he comes out now, and, that, and I think that's really a, a great role for him, but he is an authority on law. So now he comes out and he does an advertisement for reverse mortgages. And you say, well, there's a guy who like follows the law and is leading the police department. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, he must know what he's talking about when it comes to reverse mortgages. So I should probably check that out. <laughs> yeah. You, you take that credibility and you move it over to a different area. Right. Yeah. Attribution error. Ooh. That was pretty fancy. There you go. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> thinking about it, thinking about the show and when we were, you know, we were just speaking about um, actors and so forth in general or public figures. I, uh, and I'm not making a political or a judgment statement other than it will be interesting to follow that the people that are named in all these Epstein documents, how is that going to affect their brand value in terms of being a sponsor for a particular product. You know, we saw that when Bud Light made a misstep that just tanked their stock value. It, it will be interesting to kind of follow, if if any, if there's any follow uh, fallout from being associated with that as a spokesperson for some product, whether it's a tennis shoe, a cola, you know, makeup or whatever. It just reminds me of... Um you know, Warren Buffett saying, you know, you can, it takes years and years and years to build a good reputation. Yeah. Yes. But minutes to ruin it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is so true that it is so, and, and I think, you know, that if we can get credit for anything around here, it mm-hmm. is, we are absolutely consistent. Right. You know, in the message. Yeah. And I think that has been critical. And I'm going to tell you folks, over 22 years of doing this show, that has not necessarily been easy, right? Because yeah. you know, you know, you You've have been swimming upstream a few times. Yeah, you have a lot of times where you are going literally against everything out there. Yeah, you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Yeah, we were live, and and I called every all you guys in and said, let's get on the radio right now, mm-hmm. and let's do this as a group. And and we we were spread out between these two rooms. Right. Remember that we were we were spread out between these two rooms talking about you know what's going on, and you know the videos. I and I think back to I, I like to bring back 2008, December of 2008. Mm-hmm. It's a holiday month. It's December. You should be relaxing. Right. And thirty think 32, 33 videos in a 31 month day, educational mm-hmm. videos telling people not to panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in this particular case, it's telling people, you know, you, know, you look at this, the ESG type of thing, and you go, so, hey, and, you know, I, it, it was, well, back, you know, when when you had Bitcoin was up at 70, yeah. and who knows where that's going to be? I mean, you know, just right. 
but it was at you know sixty something thousand, almost seventy thousand, I think it was. Saying that it, it wasn't the greatest thing ever, yeah, seemed absurd. Exactly. And then it you know dropped back. Well, you know, we're just old fuddy duddies. We we can't get with the times. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it is it's easy to get pulled astray so you yeah. know that that i think is is really important to keep in mind but you know it's just one of those other things you know political it's going to be a year where you're going to hear a lot about this i'm sure because it has been a political football there are companies uh that you know when you when you get down to it there are a lot of companies that are engaging in this they're starting to back away from it to a great extent recognize that you know they're Mutual fund companies will do whatever they feel like they need to do, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Whatever they think you want, they will give you. And, you know, so, but it doesn't mean that the mutual fund company is bad. We don't look at them from that standpoint. We look at them from, okay, they provide something that we need. If they're doing some things, and and I don't care, you know, some of the companies that we absolutely think are just phenomenal from an academic standpoint mm -hmm. have done stupid things over the years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just watching out to you and get pulled in because fund companies are not. And I guess where I'm going with this is I'm thinking kind of aloud as where, where my mind is going on this. So often we watch advertising and we see that, you know, we, and we think that the fund company is your friend. Mm -hmm. You're an owner. Of the fun company? Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 hear, the, you hear those commercials. Uh -huh. You're an owner. Uh, you'll see commercials that make you feel like that they really love you and they really care about you. The reality of it is the fun company has one job, and that's to sell you their product. Whatever. And if you won't buy this particular fund that they've got, you know, why is it that you'll have some of these fun companies? And one comes to mind that has, what, over a thousand mutual funds. Mm -hmm. At least. Yeah. And they, they have like a dozen of them investing in one area of the market, one section of the stock market, mm -hmm. actually even more if you, it, depending on how you break it out. Right. Uh, and then they, you go, well, why do they have so many different funds that invest in that one section of the stock market that has a limited number of stocks to choose from? Is it because they just love you and want to take care of you? Or is it because <laughs> they have got to get you the means justify the ends. They've got to they've got to get you on board as a client, and that's all there is to it. Right. Well, and you know, out of those twelve funds in this example in that area of the market, one of them will do the best of the twelve. They'll all overweight different stocks, mm -hmm. and whichever fund did the best, that's what makes the cover of Money Magazine. That's what makes the ad in Wall Street Journal or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it attracts dollars because it did well that year. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, when they have, let's say, 12 out of 1,000 funds, yeah, um, all focusing on a particular area of the market, even if they're all weighting certain stocks a little bit differently, the returns are going to come out fairly close. Yeah. So therefore, they can say, well, we had 12 funds that beat their benchmark this year. <laughs> and that sounds very, very impressive. Right. That's true. But, they don't re but the general public doesn't realize, well, they're all invested in the same thing. So they should have had a return that was very, very close to one another. Yeah. And when you look at, at the fund company, like I said, providing a product – 
I mean, you think about it, it's like a grocery store. Mm-hmm. I walk in that grocery store. Some of those choices just aren't that good. Right. <laughs> but the grocery store isn't going to go, you know, there, 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 I guess there are some niche grocery stores that only try to do healthy products. But even the ones that only try to do healthy products yeah. have some things in there that aren't so necessarily good for you. Yep. But they got to get you in there or they don't want, they're not going to stay in business. And then again, what is a healthy product is going to depend upon the person walking into the store. That's true. You know, like, for example, I think beef and pork are very healthy products, but you don't eat those things, Paul. Well, because, yeah, because, you know, when you have a cholesterol level of 300, it's probably not a good idea to eat that stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's if it. If, I eat your share. <laughs> Don't don't worry about it. I eat your share. I only let me tell you. I, I will say I will admit this. I only eat vegetarian cows. The cows I eat are vegetarians. You, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. All right, on to invest. <laughs> but you know, yeah, just just to, to kind of the final thought in regards to the ESG and, and those types of things. Just recognize that, and you know, there are things that are going to come along Mm -hmm. as time goes on and you know the thing that i like to point out to people is there will be an emotional reason that just seems to make a tremendous amount of sense Mm -hmm. you'll hear the media get behind it you'll hear politicians get behind it you know i think about some of the things the government is pushing right now yeah uh you know and and they push them and you don't even recognize you're thinking well what is the government what dog do they have in the fight well let me just give an example roth ira conversions Oh, yeah. In in some cases, they make a tremendous amount of sense, you know, but the reality of it is if they can get you to pay taxes right now in the federal budget mess that they're in, they're going to get you to do that. What's another example? Well, another example would be insurance companies. And I've mentioned this before. Who is the biggest buyer yeah. of government bonds? Right. If it weren't the insurance companies, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, so the, the government would say, hey, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea to annuitize and we'll put annuities inside your 401k. Mm-hmm. We'll do these types of things because they know that what will happen is the more demand they create for these products, the more demand they're going to create for their bonds that they put out there. Yeah. And the less likely they're going to have where, because if there's lots of demand for bonds, what does that do to the price of bonds? It drives prices of bonds up and you create lots of demand. But what does it also do? It drives interest rates down and then it keeps politicians out of hot water. You know, so you think about it, there is there is no place that you can go literally when you don't have some kind of influence that is against what is maybe in your best interest. And keep that in mind. And that's why I think it's it's so important. You know, to stay grounded in the academics when it comes to investing in the year 2024. And that's what we're doing all year long. We were, we've been talking all, you know, we were all talking amongst us before the show. And we were talking about the educational opportunities, the things that are coming along that I think in 2024 that we need to be looking at. We need to be looking at education funding. We need to be talking about you know things like uh, you, you know, what what, ha- what happens? What do you do when you have debt up to your eyeballs? Because the rules are really stinking complicated. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we were laughing amongst ourselves. If this is complicated to <laughs> us, <laughs> what is going on with you guys out there? And uh, you know, ostrich, the ostrich effect. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, if you're wise, yeah, just stick your head in the sand and hope it all. You know, Calgon, take me away. Hope the world goes away. Make the world go away. Get it off my shoulder. Um, 
You know, so, so I think that that's one of the things that we are going to be committed to in the coming year, as we always are, is continuing that education process. And, and how do you do that? You know, the website, paulwinkler.com. Uh, you go there. Uh, you sign up to make sure that you're getting the emails when we put new workshops up there. Uh, look at the workshop area, the tab there. We have webinar tabs there where we teach about Medicare. Because most of the information you're getting on Medicare is driven by the investing or, or, or the uh, sales of insurance insurance industry uh, or people selling those types of things. And, uh, you know, Social Security, where do you get information about Social Security? Well, a lot of this stuff out there are people doing these workshops that are, you know, out there you get a steak dinner and you learn about Social Security. And a lot of the stuff you learn is uh, of marginal value. And it's really yeah. designed just to yeah. say – Hey, come see us, and then we'll help you with your social. You know, we'll teach you a little bit about social security enough to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Then you come in, and and uh, you know, so we put out you know the workshops on that type of thing on the on the internet for free, so you can sit there and, and just watch that. Partially because you know, it's just I, I I like really irritating. We're such nice guys. No, I like irritating the companies who put this <laughs> uh, they put on those steak dinners. Just you know, just by just basically saying, uh -huh. hey, you can go out there and get the same information without you know feeling the pressure to buy something. Yep. Yeah, that'll that'll show him. <laughs> Paul Winkler, uh, obnoxious. Paul Winkler, Evan Barnard, our work. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing. There's a lot more to it than meets the eye, and financial planning, tax laws, constantly changing, and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15 minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing, and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. So um, we got a good little chart and a little story. Technically, it was last week. But the chart showed up this week. Yeah. Watching TV Monday morning. Uh-huh. Uh, actually, technically, it was Tuesday morning that I got a p the picture of the chart. Ah. Uh, but anyway, it was... Uh, but anyway, the, the, I think it was a good education on market efficiency. And yes. when we talk about markets being efficient, we hear that, you know, it's like 80, 90% of money is being actively managed. And you'll hear even people brag about their active management mm -hmm. of investment portfolios. You'll see, you know, stock movement, movement between buying companies, selling companies, and, and more generally, you'll see like a tactical asset allocation where they're shifting money between uh, different segments of the market. I think this is going to be in favor this year. I think this is going to be in favor the next year. I think this is going to be in favor based on what's going on in Washington, what's happening with China. She said China? Has actually, uh, with the help of Russia, has actually gotten the status of the biggest exporter of cars. 
Well, actually, they sold more more EVs than Tesla in the last quarter. Biggest exporter of cars. Yeah. Of any car or just electric cars? It just said cars wow. in general. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but, but back to my point before I just kind of diverted myself, yeah. uh, <laughs> I just squirrel, uh, but you know, it was, uh, my point I was making was about, you know, market markets and how they price things and how, you know, you might watch at what's going on in China and think you're going to shift your portfolio based on what's happening. Uh, but the idea behind market efficiency is that things are properly priced based on things that we might know are going to happen or like likely to happen happen, you know, knowable and predictable events. And, you know, one of the things that we do in a workshop that we teach at the very, very beginning is we have shown like there was a, there was a, a bombing at the White House. You guys remember oh, that yeah. chart? Yes. And, you know, there's a, there was a bombing at the White House and it was a false tweet false X. <laughs> now we would call yeah. that right. Um, but it was a false tweet. And, and nobody had bombed the White House, but, you know, somebody decided to put, my, and my wife's always asking this question, why do people do that? Why do they put fake information out there? And I was like, yeah, good question. I don't know. But people do. And you just got to recognize that they will do that. But here's what happened. The stock market dropped immediately. When And you see yeah. the chart, it's like a cliff. It's not gradually, it goes down a little bit, a little bit at a time. It's like, not like a decrescendo. It's, it's a bam, gone, down, right away. Well, that happened with Boeing. And we hear this news story Friday evening. You know, as many of us are, you know, checking out the news Friday evening, we're hearing, oh my goodness, there was something that went wrong with one yeah. of the airplanes. Right. And, you know, the, the cab opened up and, you know, Thank goodness for people being in seatbelts, uh, you know, in, in the airplane. You wonder, why do we wear a seatbelt in That's, an airplane? That is an excellent ad for staying buckled up in your seat even after they turn off the light. Yeah. I mean, because you think, <laughs> why do I need to? And yeah, who'd have thunk, right? So, so then, of course, what happens is you can imagine yourself, you're an investor in Boeing stock, let's say, that's in your... You're not doing what we teach, <laughs> staying away from individual individual stocks. And you're an investor in individual stocks. And Saturday morning, you're sitting there looking at your finances and going, you know what? Uh, I think we ought to get rid of this because it's probably not going to be good for Boeing after this stock opens back up, right? It might be going through your mind. Right. And you go, Sunday, maybe you're doing your finances or whenever. Some, sometime during the weekend, mm -hmm. you're doing that saying, I probably need to get out of this, thinking that when Monday happens, you can get out of whatever has happened. Yeah. And the reality of it is that chart looks like this. It looks like you're on this little, you know, you're running on this flat ground and all of a sudden there's a cliff. Boom. <laughs> Wiley Coyote got to the edge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's straight down. And what happened, it, it, it didn't gradually move from its previous price right. gradually down to the new price. It went from that price down to the new price, like, In bam. seconds. Yeah, it was it. It was the opening trade. The opening trade was lower. And you can't even place, you know, you can't even place like a stop loss or a limit order or anything like that over the weekend. I mean, you're just, you're just skunked until they open up. You are done. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing that you can do. And, and I think that is 
a really good testament to how efficient markets are. They price the new information in immediately. And it may not be immediately because the market's not open. Right. Nobody's doing any trade. So we often will say that it's immediately, you know, priced in, but it's not. You know, it's it takes, you know, when the market has to be open for that to happen. The you know, thinking about this and the the bigger situation in, involved with this uh, issue, it reminds me of when the Challenger had a problem. That's a and, really good example. And very quickly the market kind of figured out, okay, it's Morton Thiokol and so forth. And, you know, we, we see all these stock prices. Well, so, so, so for the people that have not seen our workshop on that, yeah. walk them through that slide, Evan. Well, um, you know, there's basically we're, we've got a picture of, you know, the Challenger taking off and all of this and it, video. it explodes mm -hmm. video. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just in a matter of minutes, if not seconds, Various stocks of the various, you know, contractors on the space shuttle start dropping. And the one that drops the most, the fastest and all was, I think, Morton Thiokol. Mm -hmm. And they were the ones that made the O-ring that ultimately, mm -hmm. after, you know, a two-year government investigation, yeah. they say, oh, okay, it was the O-rings. And in minutes, while that, you know, while the smoke was still in the air, the market came to the conclusion, it's the people that made the O-rings. That is such an eye-opening video. It really is. You know, because they're you're naming four different contractors. Right. All of the contractors went down in value. Now, it may yes. have been because maybe there's a possibility that the program would be shelved and they wouldn't be selling anything. Right. But, you know, then so that was only so they all had a minor drop in mm -hmm. stock price, but it was 2% drop versus 10%. Yeah. For the one that actually was responsible for the O-rings, and nobody, but nobody, yeah. really had to come in. There were no investigations. There was no time for an investigation. Right. Minutes later, that drops. But the the similarity to this is um, Alaska Airlines. Mm -hmm. Their stock price dropped briefly mm. on Monday. Mm. Already recovered back to basically where it was on Friday. Mm-hmm. And Spirit Arrow, which is the makers of the fuselage piece that came on, you know, unglued <laughs> or whatever, you know, their stock price is down about 10% as well uh, as Boeing's and it's staying down. And so just very quickly, the market can, I won't say assign blame, but they can come to a conclusion, oh, this is probably who is going to be hurt by this financially and affect earnings going forward. And, and it's interesting you bring that up because um, a book that has been going around, I won't even name the book because I don't even want to give them any kind of press whatsoever. <laughs> but it was this guy basically talking about the money supply and that the increase in the money supply was greater than what he thought it would be, what anybody thought it would be, and blah, blah, blah. And he's saying, therefore, this is what's going to happen, and this is what I think, what I see coming in the future. And my basic response is, oh, you, one person, know more than everybody else. You know, there was probably somebody that had some kind of a theory that it was something other than an O-ring. I don't know. Right. Uh, you know, and they would have been dead wrong. But it was the general consensus right. of all informed people, not just investors, but people that were experts in the know. There was an economic incentive to get it right as to what was the part that possibly would cause have caused this problem. Mm -hmm. So that is market efficiency, and it's 
again, proven itself to be a valid concept. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.